Do you like games? Cool. Do you like fantasy football? Well, you're here. Do you like games about fantasy football? Sweet. I have the perfect podcast for you. Dynasty Game Night, hosted by yours truly, Russ Fisher, Matt Price, John Bosch, and Rocky Petrella. We play games about fantasy football. You might learn a little something, but really, we're just here to have fun. So if you like playing a game about a game about a game, then check out Dynasty Game Night, a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Matt, it is week two. In fact, most of it is in the books. And there was some good and there was some bad and there certainly was some ugly when it comes to fantasy and real football in week two. Yeah, things we thought might be the new truth from week one are, are no longer the truth. We have <laughs> we have satellite backs that we thought we were going to be involved and are not involved. We have the opposite of satellite backs that we thought weren't going to be involved and now all of a sudden are involved. So got a lot to get through today. A lot to get through, Ryan. Lots of drops and some ugly football for sure. There were There were a lot of takeaways for sure and not all of them good. No, not very many of them good, honestly. Right. It, it it was just an ugly day of football, like you said. Injuries, more injuries, Ugh. lots of disappointing performances, most of them on my personal fantasy teams. It, it was an ugly day. It was an ugly day. And uh, there certainly were some highlights. Derrick Henry, a few others, we'll get to those. But the lowlights seemed to be weighing them down in, in the early parts of this year. Kind of felt to me, guys, like the defense's... Maybe the offenses haven't quite caught up to the defenses. Offenses are forced to make big plays at the end of halves or at the end of games, which isn't all that odd or uncommon from years past. But maybe these offenses just need to take it up a notch, and then we'll get the get the kind of stat lines that we want to see week in and week out. We got a lot of games to get through. We're going to talk about the dynasty reactions, the most important thing that we saw in each game. And as always, we kick things off in with a Thursday night, guys. Uh, that was a good game, surprisingly good game. The football team count, comes out on top, 30-29, to 29, and Terry McLaurin was incredible despite the switchover to Heineke at quarterback. He catches 11 for 107 and a touchdown on 14 targets, but it was the running back for the football team that caught your eye, Matt. Yeah, and it it was interesting. I think uh, McKissick got one target, maybe maybe zero carries or one carry and zero targets, something like that in week one, right? And we're like, okay, let's go with with Antonio Brown. Or excuse me, Antonio Gibson. Uh, but this week it was different. McKissick was heavily involved. Uh, four carries on the ground for ten yards. Got that goal line rushing touchdown on that two minute drill towards the end of the half. Uh, he was a guy and basically the guy in every hurry up and two minute situation there was uh, obviously a big receiving day as well. So, uh, you know, maybe we need to cool the brakes on Antonio Gibson a little bit, at least for this year. Uh, McKissick is a unrestricted free agent at the end of this year. So, you know, 
will be 29 years old, so ho- hopefully he moves on. But uh, at this point, I think we we might have to delay the at least the consistent production for, in the receiving game from Gibson uh, for another season. Yeah, so suddenly J.D. McKissick is once again a flex-worthy candidate, a guy we're going to consider for our lineups in a short-term option. Antonio Gibson, on the other hand, disappointing, 13 carries, 69 yards, and just a couple catches for four yards, didn't find pay dirt, so a disappointment for sure. Speaking of disappointing running backs, Ryan. Yeah, Saquon Barkley, another uh, another subpar game. Obviously, coming back from that ACL injury, we still have to factor that in, but it, it's not looking good. And his performance, along with the performance of a few other running backs, just got me thinking uh, about the running back position as a whole right now. I think we entered the season with a, a pretty clear top five uh, running back group of McCaffrey at one, and and then some, uh, some combination of Dalvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, and Alvin Kamara, and uh, we've seen more than one of those guys struggle early on. Uh, CMC is certainly the RB one in Dynasty. That I don't think that can really be argued right now. I have no idea who the RB two is. I don't know. I don't think it's Saquon Barkley though, for sure. Uh, I, I did. Uh, I pulled a mat and grabbed some recent uh, dynasty trades from the <laughs> Trade Finder involving Saquon Barkley. Uh, there was one uh, Barkley for Derrick Henry and a second rounder. Uh, that's looking pretty good for for uh, the new Henry manager right now. And then another Saquon Barkley for Nick Chubb, even up. So it, it feels like based on on that limited sample that Barkley has dropped a tier in running back rankings yeah it certainly has Matt I I thought he looked okay as a runner he had that that long 41 yard run of course that was uh, like one of his 13 carries and the other 12 carries went for 16 yards so that's not great Uh, but the most concerning thing for me is the lack of usage in the pass game like this was a game that was back and forth he could certainly have been involved in that uh, but, you know, only three car- targets, two catches for 12 yards. So you, you expect a guy like that, somebody we're drafting with the one somewhere in the top five uh, in startup drafts, uh, or at least in the first round, to, to be up in that five to six target a game range. And it just hasn't been there for Barkley yet. Yeah, and with, with that coaching staff, you know, really, the Giants have never been known, or at least since this coaching staff has take, taken over, to be a, a creative uh, bunch you know they, they don't try to get those guys the ball in special ways and and really when you have a talent like Barkley it feels like you should create those opportunities for them they haven't created that I thought running even he, he doesn't look like his regular self just yet this might be one of those things where it takes till that second year back to become yourself once again it's disappointing because he's so talented the main takeaway for me from a Giants perspective guys was Daniel Jones back-to-back good games over 20 fantasy points in back-to-back games for the first time since uh, early in it, very, very early in his career. Only reached 20 points six times coming into this game. 20 fantasy points. He blows by that. 30 fantasy points in a game. A lot of that is based, of course, on his rushing. Nine carries for 95 yards and a score. Also threw a touchdown pass. Didn't make any mistakes, though. Didn't throw into coverage. In fact, hasn't yet this season. There is a chance that he has taken that next step forward and could become that quarterback two, uh, top 16 type guy. Could be partially the the schedule that they've played to this point. 
he's looked pretty good. And they did have to play the Broncos, which they were blown out in that game and still didn't make a lot of mistakes. Coming up against the Falcons and at the Saints, then at the Cowboys. So we'll have an opportunity to see if us as super flex managers have a quarterback two on our hands with Daniel Jones. Let's move on to the Saints and the Panthers. The Panthers really hammered the Saints 26 to 7 Sam Darnold was good 305 and two touchdowns just through the one pick McCaffrey left the field momentarily I guess 72 rushing yards and a score also caught five balls for 65 it was the other side of the field that we need to talk about here Ryan Elvin Kamara just eight carries for five yards in a game that they were losing I don't mind that it's that he had six targets just four catches for 25 he wasn't involved at any point in that game on Sunday no, he really wasn't, and and I mean, sadly, those those six targets uh, were enough to to lead the team, and same for his four receptions tied for the team lead. Uh, so, I, I guess that's maybe a silver lining that he was as involved as as anybody uh, on that roster. But this is back to back games now that that the Saints offense has has just really not shown up at all, and that sounds silly after what happened in Week One, but. Um, so much of that that week one win uh, over the Packers felt fluky. I mean, Winston had the five touchdowns, but he did it on 150 yards and, and 14 completions. So obviously, uh, that type of thing is is not something we can draw a lot of uh, a lot of you know information from moving forward. I said all offseason I was worried about this this Saints team, the Thomas injury, the Breeze retirement, questions at quarterback. And I'm, I'm kind of upset to, to be right on this one or to look like I'm right because I don't know what to do with Alvin Kamara. I don't know what to do with any of these guys, really. You mentioned the four catches from Kamara. Behind that, Marquez Calloway, two catches for eight yards, and then a whole bunch of guys with one catch. Little Jordan Humphrey for 27, Juwan Johnson for 23, Chris Hogan for 16. Stop me when you've heard of one of these guys. Deontay Harris for nine yards on his one catch, and then Ty Montgomery goes one for three. They don't have any weapons. They have Kamara, and yeah, he led the team in in targets, but those were dump-offs, and... And really not creative looks and opportunities to get him in space one-on-one. He had to work for the 25 yards he got through the air. He worked hard for the five yards he got on eight carries as well. I was taking notes throughout the early games, guys. And my first note on this game was, will the real Jameis Winston please stand up? (laughs) And I think we saw him today. Once again, we all know who he is. 111 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, both horribly ugly picks. I guess if you had to play him in a super flex, he gets saved with the one touchdown so you don't get negative points. But Jameis Winston is not a guy any of us can count on moving forward. They go to the Patriots next. Then they get the Giants. I'm keeping him out of my lineups moving forward. What happened to uh, Marcus Callaway? Is he dead before he even got started or what? Certainly feels that way. I, I spent a lot of money in fab in a couple of leagues. Ryan, we, we tag team. <laughs> I saw one a lot of, of Max. And I saw a lot of Max bids well on Callaway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty ugly for sure. Uh, hopefully there's an opportunity for him down the down the road. I don't I'm starting to think maybe there's, it will be sooner rather than later that we see Taysom Hill get a start under center. Uh, The Bengals and the Bears uh, battled at Soldier Field. The Bears come out on top 20-17 to behind Justin Fields, who gets his first opportunity. Just 60 passing yards, only threw 13 passes, did throw an interception and got sacked a couple times. But guys, 10 carries for 31 yards? 
most of that is scrambling. In fact, almost all of it is scrambling, plays breakdown. He seemed like he held the ball quite a bit, as far as I could tell. Couldn't get the ball to Allen Robinson. I think both of his catches came from Andy Dalton before he got hurt. Luckily, one of them was a touchdown, so he gets bailed out. From the Bears' standpoint, there's not a lot to get excited about offensively. I guess if Justin Fields takes over under center full-time, perhaps we have something there. In Cincinnati, though, everything looked good except for Joe Burrow through three interceptions in a row in the second half. Still almost brought him back. Those receivers, though, Ryan, they looked like a three-headed monster there on Sunday. Yeah, it was a disappointing game for the Bengals, for sure. I know after uh, after that big win last week against Minnesota, they were... They were hoping to uh, to follow that up this week. Didn't really happen. You mentioned the Burrow, uh, three interceptions in the row in a row after the long streak of uh, of not throwing a pick. So that was frustrating. But I still feel like the this trio of wide receivers showed up: Boyd, T. Higgins, and and the rookie Jamar Chase, uh, all three in double digit fantasy points. You know, in a way, they did. I guess kind of cancel each other out. I think T Higgins had 18 fantasy points to lead the way. So that's a pretty good representation of, I think what we're going to get each week is uh, between 10 and 15 points for all three of these guys. Yeah. If we get 18, 14 and 12 from those three guys every single week and a different guy takes the lead all weeks, I think every manager of a Cincinnati big three receiver will be excited about that. Joe Mixon, on the other hand, 20 carries for 69 yards. We like the usage there. Just one catch, and they were playing from behind. That's a little disappointing. We'll see if something comes of that down the road. Any other takeaways from this game, Matt? Because really, it was was kind of boring. David Montgomery, 20 for 61, caught three balls. I mentioned Allen Robinson was a little bit of a disappointment. Perhaps the biggest disappointment was Darnell Mooney dropped two big plays. He should have had uh, a real big day and was only 6 for 66. Anything for you? Yeah, not really. I mean, Montgomery feels like he, he's he's a volume play, and if you're into that, cool. If not, maybe go ahead and get him off your roster. You know, if, he, if he's a depth piece for a, a contender, like maybe he's your running back three or three. Uh, like he's somebody I would consider if I could move him for if I can get a late can I get a late first for David Montgomery right now? I think I probably can just based on volume alone. So that's something I, I'd, I'd consider. Um, but uh, he doesn't seem impressive even against a, a, a defense like the Bengals who I think we still have question marks about. Yeah, good point. Let's go to Cleveland. The Browns took care of the Texans, 31-21. to Baker Mayfield, 213 and a touchdown. Also had a rushing touchdown, so that was fine. Nick Chubb, uh, 11 for 95 and a score. But it was another running back in Cleveland that caught your eye, Matt. Yeah, the the rookie. I think you might have been somebody who turned me on to this guy, Dan. That's Demetric Felton, uh, another another running back coming up for the Browns. Uh, I don't really know if he if there's enough room for him to be involved necessarily, but if there was an injury to either Nick Chubb or especially Kareem Hunt to take on that kind of change of pace role, um, you know, plus uh, that that Kareem Hunt kind of has, then Felton showed off his receiving ability today. That one 25 yard touchdown run. He bounced off tacklers. He had a nice spin move in there. Uh, the contact balance was uh was really impressive to see and not something that i expected from uh that rookie he's kind of like a wide running back wide receiver hybrid uh, and i think he might even be listed in, as a wide receiver in some places and a running back in other places uh so uh, it'll be interesting to see where he falls uh in line from uh, a designation standpoint but yeah somebody to keep an eye on and if he if he's not on a taxi squad somewhere he might be on waivers and in, in shallower leagues 
Yeah, and if that's the case, if you're in a deep enough league to hold somebody for the long term, he's certainly worth a look. Just two catches for 51 yards, but you mentioned the impressive touchdown. Uh, I always liked him coming out of college. He's he's like one of those jet sweep type running backs. You can line him up in the slot. You can use him out of the backfield. Nice on screens. He has good hands. So a guy to look long term in the Cleveland backfield. As far as the receivers, though, it was... It, it was pretty ugly out there. Uh, Richard Higgins had two for 27. Donovan Peoples-Jones, one for 14. Landry gets hurt. He's going to have an MRI early this year. Anthony Schwartz doesn't catch his one target. What are we going to do with these receivers, Ryan? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Pretty ugly. It's, uh, it's Odell Beckham's second missed game. Of course, Landry went out after his first target, so he, he essentially missed the entire game as well. Uh, Peoples-Jones was a player that a lot of dynasty managers were excited about coming into the season. Uh, I know Browns fans were excited about him as well, and he's, he's, he's getting the work. He's running the routes. He's playing the snaps. He's just not uh, producing at all, and now it's two games in a row with uh, basically a wide-open opportunity because of um, both competitive games and the other injuries, and he He's doing nothing. So that's that's got to be frustrating. Uh, that's obviously a little bit of a, of a deeper uh, dynasty play there with Peoples-Jones. But uh, higher up the ranks, I mean, it feels like Landry's going to miss a few games now. And who knows what uh, is going on with, with Odell Beckham. So this team is in trouble. That's, that's what gave guys like Felton some opportunity. Yeah, it looked like it. And if there was one wide receiver on the field that did produce, it was on the other side with Brandon Cooks. Nine catches for 78 yards and a touchdown. 14 targets for Cooks. That gives him a 48% target share. Uh, Nobody else on the team with more than two targets in the game. He's the only one left. But with the Tyrod Taylor injury, it looks like he's not going to play. It's already been announced on Thursday night in week three. So Davis Mills will be under center. Not quite sure how that'll translate for Brandon Cooks, who, who honestly, guys, is probably the only uh, player that you want in your fantasy lineup for the Houston Texans right now. He's been good two weeks in a row. Everybody else has a blemish to their record, including Mark Ingram, who had a nice week one, but really fell on his face in week two. David Johnson still didn't get any opportunities, and because he didn't get into the end zone, he's a bust as well, and there isn't another wide receiver worth considering. It's only Cooks, and even that on Thursday looks like it might be a question mark. Let's talk about the Rams and the Colts, guys. It was all Cooper Cup all day long. Man, he gets good targets, guys. He he is schemed open so often. He goes 9 for 163 and two touchdowns on 11 targets. You look at the other receivers for the Rams, and they're not getting the same kind of looks. They're they're looking they're running those flat routes, those quick uh quick screens, bubble screens and and uh crossing routes, not what what we expected really, Matt, you've always been a Cooper Cup guy. And in the past, he's been used as that traditional slot. Sometimes he'd get up a seam. Now it feels like through two weeks, he's the guy that Stafford loves. In In week one during Monday Night Football, it was said that Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford's uh, they're, they're BFFs now, and it's showing up on the field. Yeah, yeah, they're breakfast buddies is what I heard. Yeah. They eat breakfast together every day. That must be the difference. Maybe we should start eating <laughs> no. breakfast together, Matt. We'd have a little more uh, camaraderie on the show, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that that could help. You know, I, I like cinnamon rolls. I okay, all right. Have some of those delivered. 
so the rest of the team, Daryl Henderson got off to a hot start. He went 13 for 53 and a touchdown, but missed some time with injury. And Sony steps in, goes 10 for 46, but doesn't get a target. Robert Woods, 5 for 64, doesn't find pay dirt. So that's a disappointment. How about on the Colts side? Wentz, he goes down too. Touchdown, threw a pick. Jonathan Taylor caught just one pass after catching six in the first game. That's not going to do it. 15 for 51 and missed on three consecutive shots from the goal line to score. That's disappointing. Michael Pittman, though, that's not disappointing, Ryan. Eight for 123 on 12 targets. Yeah, it's good to see him bounce back. Kind of a quiet week one for Pittman. Uh, and the story is is the same there. Injuries for the Colts at the pass catcher position. Uh, we knew T.Y. Hilton would be out. Paris Campbell missed this week. Uh, so good to see Pittman step up uh, easily, by far, the best game of his, uh, his young career, eight catches for 123. Uh, and he, he has to be, almost by default, the top target in that passing offense. It's another question, just as we were saying with Houston, uh, it's going to come down to the, the health and, and status of Carson Wentz. He's not been great but I think he's going to be a lot better than Jacob Eason. So if, if Wentz misses, no. yeah, if Wentz misses time with that, with that ankle injury, we'd really, at least I would be avoiding Pittman and everybody else in this offense. Yeah. Taylor would be the only one to consider and he really needs to score or be involved in the passing game. Speaking of backs that need to be involved in the passing games, Matt, it's Naeem Hines and he was not on Sunday. He- yeah, it was really interesting. It was kind of like, like this is what I was talking about in the intro, was we kind of got reverse usage from McKissick and Hines. And in week one, he got uh, Hines had nine carries and eight targets. In week two, one carry, two targets. So that's not going to help. I know I plugged him in in the flex in a couple of spots, and that's that's, uh, that's not going to get it done, as they say. So um, I don't really know what to do with him going forward. And, and if it's not Carson Wentz back there, I mean, I guess I do then. I guess you just don't play anybody. Uh, going back to Pittman real quick, uh, I, I want to go back and watch this game. I don't know if either of you watched it closely, but I was, I was shocked to see the box score uh, on this one for him because I thought he was going to get that Jalen Ramsey treatment, and, and apparently he, he didn't or it didn't matter. Uh, but that's one I want to go back and, see and look at. He made a few catches on Ramsey, but he was moved, moving around a lot. He was the guy that you'd see in motion often and uh, jacked behind another receiver in a, mm. in a double split set, side-by-side set. So he, he got a free release a lot of the times. Wentz was under constant duress. He, was, he yeah. got hammered all game, every play. I was not surprised that he got hurt in this game because he got hit so many times. You were right, Ryan. Eason, that was not a good start. We're, we're not uh, looking forward to seeing him under center anytime soon in Indianapolis as Dynasty fans. Let's go to Denver and Jacksonville. The Broncos win this one 23-13. Bridgewater did what he always does, doesn't turn it over, throws for 328, which is nice, and two touchdowns, most of which went to Cortland Sutton, 9 for 159, uh, on 12 targets. He didn't find the end zone, though. It was Tim Patrick with a short touchdown. Noah Fant got in from 14 yards out as well. With the running back here, uh, the running back situation in Denver, even split 13 for 64 for Javante, 13 for just 31 for Melvin Gordon. Both of the targets go to Melvin Gordon as well. He goes two for 38. Not a lot really to talk about here. If you started Fant or Patrick, you got bailed out. Sutton did just fine. If you needed Bridgewater in a two quarterback league, he was good. You couldn't really start the running backs, though, and I'm not really sure why. It's probably because of the even split and they didn't get any goal line touches. 
from a Jacksonville perspective, guys, there was a lot to look at, and it wasn't very good. Lawrence threw two picks, just one touchdown, only threw for 118 yards on 14 completions. James Robinson got all of the carries, really, 11 for 47, while Hyde just went for two, two carries for seven yards. I guess you can look at the receivers. DJ Chark was trash, one for 19 on four targets. Uh, Chenault Ryan didn't look good either. Two catches for for negative yards and had one carry for no, for for no yards. I guess Marvin Jones six for fifty five and finds Paydirt again on eleven targets. That's that's going to be the shining star for this Jacksonville offense. Yeah, there were there were a few preseason takes that Marvin Jones is is the real wide receiver one on this team, and and we're still early, and and obviously Chenault and and DJ Chark have more dynasty value, but uh, that. That's looking pretty true that, that Jones is the go-to guy here. Uh, last week, Chark saw all the targets and, and didn't do much with them outside of uh, outside of that long touchdown. But I think he had a dozen targets and three catches, if I'm remembering correctly. And, uh, and, and now most of those went to Marvin Jones this week. Uh, yeah, Chenault just just disappointing. Not, not the playmaker that a, a lot of people thought he would be, at least through two weeks. So that takes us to Buffalo and Miami. Miami couldn't score. Bills went 35 to nothing. And Josh Allen, just the one touchdown pass, 35 rushing yards. Or excuse me, I think it was I think it was two touchdown passes. Uh, and, but just 179 yards, guys. So, Matt, you've been talking about Josh Allen that you're going to wait and see through this season. Breakout last year, you weren't quite convinced. What do you think through two weeks? Uh, I mean, again, it's, it's two weeks. So, and, and I guess... These are both, we could call both Miami and Pittsburgh tough defenses. But week one, uh, 17 of 33. Week two, excuse me, week uh, one, 30 of 51. Week two, 17 of 33. Uh, Before before last season, before 2020, you guys, uh, Josh Allen was a career 56% passer. Through two weeks, he's 47 of 84 for 55.9%. Uh, so right in that 56% career passer prior to prior to 2020. Um, and it's only been two weeks, of course, but he was quarterback 23 in week one. He was quarterback 14 in week two, and he's currently the quarterback 21 in points per game. Uh, so long season to go, but uh, you know if he is going to come back to the pack a little bit, uh, I don't see how we can keep valuing him as the quarterback two in Dynasty. Ryan, any, any thoughts on Allen? Yeah, it's it's certainly been a little bit of a slow start. I don't think he is the quarterback two in dynasty. Um, I don't. Yeah, I mean that was. I had Lamar Jackson in that spot right now. Again, only two weeks in, and you're with dynasty. We're trying to think long term. It's hard to put anybody other than Kyler Murray in that spot right now, and uh, it feels like Murray and Mahomes yeah, and and sure. everybody else. Uh, so yeah, I mean we saw the same thing with. With with Lamar a couple of years ago, he had the huge MVP year, and then he takes a little bit of a step back. So, uh, asking Josh Allen to repeat last year is is a tall order, and and it can't can't really be a surprise that he's um, starting slowly. Yeah, so he goes one seventy nine two and one this week, just thirty five rushing yards. Last week, another kind of disappointment: two seventy one touchdown, no picks, and forty four rushing yards. If Josh Allen's rushing touchdown, which that was ridiculous that it wasn't a rushing touchdown. They, they say he was giving himself up at the half-yard line because he fell into the end zone. That's <laughs> garbage. Moss gets that score. Uh, they need to adjust that. I don't like that. 
Um, Stephon Diggs, four for 60, got into the end zone, though. From a Miami perspective, it was all about the Tua injury, Ryan. Yeah, this was already an offense that we have to be concerned about. Um, after what we saw last week, and, and as you already said, they didn't even score today. Sounds like he's going to miss some time with that. Jacoby Brissett uh, was was not good. They're still missing Will Fuller out with a, a personal in, uh, personal issue uh, following that week one suspension. So this this is looking like an offense to avoid, especially if two is out for any time. Yeah, it was, it was a scary injury. He wobbled off the field kind of and, and was certainly hobbled. We'll get more news as the as the week rolls on, but hopefully he can get on the field because what happened after he left was, did not look good. The Patriots, uh, they did look good. They went 25-6. to Mac Jones didn't really have to do anything. He managed the game 186. No touchdowns, no picks. Didn't have a rushing attempt in the game. Really was just there to hold on to the ball and hand it off to Damian Harris and James White. Harris 16 for 62 and one of the best touchdowns you're going to see this season. Uh, James White had another rushing score, 5 for 20 on the ground and 6 for 45. So to me, James White looks like one of them. One of them guys. Those those third down candidates, Matt, that you were talking about earlier. Maybe he can slide into your flex now. Moving forward, he seems like a guy that's going to get some usage. It was the running back on the other side of the field, Ryan, that caught your eye, though. Yeah, Michael Carter, the the rookie for the Jets, uh, played just twenty four percent of the snaps in Week One in that in that three man committee along with. Uh, with with Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman, we saw Tevin Coleman take a take a big step back uh, in week two. Carter took advantage of that. He's up to forty five percent of the snaps and led the way in in routes run among running backs as well. Um, didn't have a huge uh, statistical day. Fifty nine rushing, twenty nine receiving. But I think that's kind of the start of him taking over that backfield. Yeah, it certainly looks that way. Uh, something to monitor moving forward as the Jets uh, try to figure out who they really want back there. Schedule is kind of tough. Broncos next week, followed by the Titans. So we'll see how that plays out. You'd like to see the rookie get a few more touches, especially if you invested a second round pick in him. Matt, you you were watching what all of us watched, really. Zach Wilson, it it was ugly. At one point, he had more interceptions, then completions, finishes the game with four picks and did not look good. No, he looked uh, kind of like what my concerns with him were coming out was, you know, kind of feeling like he's a little bit overconfident in his arm, thinking he can squeeze passes into places where he has no business uh, trying to do, no business putting the ball. Um, Corey Davis didn't really help him out on one of those picks, kind of went right through his hands. But there were the two uh, two of the other other three picks he threw. It was just like you couldn't really tell what he was even thinking. So, be interesting to hear if he has any gets any questions like that in his in his post game interviews um, to see if he can talk through some of those decisions that he made because it like there were there were just like three defenders around it on one of those that I can recall um, pretty pretty clearly. So he's tough right now, uh, and uh, I, I don't really know what his value is right now. I, we were saying he was undervalued before because he looked pretty good in the preseason. Um, I'm not sure at this point that we can say that anymore. Uh, and you know, I'd, I might rather have guys like Sam Darnold over him at this point. I, I was one of the guys investing in him. I bought him in two leagues in the preseason after watching him play. And the thing I liked about him was the athleticism, ability to kind of create on his own, and then that big arm to get the ball downfield and even throw across his body. That 
gets you into trouble sometimes too. Yeah. I think that's what you're referring <laughs> to. And he's he does that regular that normal young quarterback thing where he doesn't transfer his weight properly. It's sitting on his back foot, and he overthrows when he tries to throw it quickly. So we see that with all these young quarterbacks. I'm not super concerned about it. I'd invest again if I could, and people were going to give a discount on where he was in the preseason. It seems like uh, a lot of people, from what I saw on Twitter on Sunday, are are jumping ship when it comes to comes to Wilson. And I, I don't know. We've seen Bill Belichick made, make a lot of rookie quarterbacks look bad, so I'm not going to take too much from that game. Uh, not, not a lot of fantasy takeaways from San Francisco and Philadelphia either. The 49ers went 17 to 11 Garoppolo, 189 and one also had a rushing touchdown on a quarterback sneak. Elijah Mitchell got banged up just 17 for 42 caught two balls. Debo was great. Once again, six for 93 on eight targets. So he kind of carries the load as far as receivers go in San Francisco. Cause Kittle just has four catches for 17 yards. A disappointment, Ryan. Yeah, definitely a disappointment, especially with this this Brandon Ayuk situation. Uh, Ayuk didn't get the start, as we talked about last week. Uh, in week two, he does get the start, just has one catch, though. You would think if, if he's playing a, a minor role that Kittle uh, would be one of the go-tos uh, or, or maybe even the go-to option in that passing offense. And through two weeks, he really hasn't been. So that's... That's certainly a surprise. You mentioned the Elijah Mitchell injury. Uh, Trey Sermon also got injured. Uh, Jermichael Hasty also got injured. Debo Samuel also got injured. Uh, we'll see which of those guys uh, are back on the field in week three. Obviously, big impact on this San Francisco offense. You mentioned, Ryan, that you're, that you're not sure who that, somebody should step into that number two role as a pass catcher, and it just doesn't seem like the 49ers – want to have a number two pass catcher really uh they they want to feed Debo Samuel and then they dump a lot of balls off to running backs uh Hasty had five targets in the game use check had three Elijah Mitchell had a couple as well and I think one of Ayuk's targets were out of the backfield so you know Jawan Jennings I think caught the caught the touchdown pass that's not really uh, comfortable for fantasy managers. We don't like to see these kind of box scores. And if you watch the game, that that San Francisco offense, we can't have much faith in what they're doing right now. Matt, you were watching closely too. You saw Sermon comes on the field, first NFL carry, he fumbles and he gets injured. This is what we expect out of 49ers running backs at this point. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, and and prior to that, I mean, it was it was exciting that he was he was going to get that carry, and not what happened after after he got that carry. But both he and 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 Ayuk had zero combined touches or targets in the first half. So like, it just it, are we really playing this game with Shanahan now? Like, where he's going to if you made him upset in practice by not uh, you know quote unquote working hard enough or whatever it is like this is this really going to be a thing? Like, it almost felt like it took the Mitchell injury to get Sermon on the field, uh, and certainly we weren't happy with what happened afterwards but uh i just like when he comes back if, if all of these backs are healthy again can i don't i just don't think we can trust really any of them right uh and then iuk uh finally got some some action in, if you want to call it that in the second half two targets and just one catch for six yards so 
Uh, it's I don't know what to do with this offense. I feel like like despite the fact that the, the fact that we have all these receivers out or not being targeted should result in big Kittle games. But he had four targets today. That was it. Only five targets last week. So uh, we we need Trey Lance in here to to do the rushing. I think is what the, the moral of the story is. It certainly feels that way. the The worst thing might be that San Francisco has won both of these games despite I know. not they're, playing. I know. They're 2-0. Well. So, they're 2-0. Yeah, so, so they don't need them. Coach Shanahan doesn't have a lot of a lot of reason to make any changes to how he's <laughs> doing things. And I feel like this is just going to be the story of the 2021 San Francisco 49ers. They're, they're a good team, but they're not good for fantasy. On the other side of things in Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts looked pretty good, Ryan. He, he ends up with 82 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. Doesn't find the end zone through the air, but 190 yards. Had a, had a passing touchdown called back, plus had the big play to Quez Watkins that a lot of guys score on that play as well. So Hurts certainly looks the part as a quarterback one. Yeah, he was, he was a big topic of our late off-season shows and basically the three of us decided we didn't know what to do with him we didn't know if we trusted him as a quarterback one moving forward and uh, we're still looking at basically a five-game sample size of from him uh three three starts and finishes last year and 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 these two weeks so far this season but uh, he continues to produce. He continues to uh, add a a fantasy floor with his rushing I think we have to value him as a QB one, uh, if not a, a mid-range QB one, maybe maybe in that quarterback six, quarterback seven spot going forward based on what we've seen these two weeks along with the end of last year. It was a frustrating day if you were counting on any of his pass catchers. Quez Watkins led the way with two catches for 117. Dallas Goddard, two for 24. Devonta Smith, two for 16. Ertz one for six, Rager two for five. Nobody caught more than two passes for the Eagles. And there were a lot of us that started either Goddard or Smith or Rager because we had to. And it, it doesn't look like a, an offense that we can really depend on for pass catchers. Maybe the one silver lining, Devonta Smith led the team with seven targets and Rager with five. So he was trying to get the ball to the outside. It just wasn't working against the San Francisco defense. Let's move on to the Raiders, who upset the Steelers 26-17. Derek Carr was was great once again for the second straight week. 382 yards, two touchdowns, looked calm and composed, made big plays, got nicked up on one play but came back for the next series and continued to look good. He hit Henry Ruggs for the long touchdown. Darren Waller was 5-for-65 in the game. So, you know, I don't know if there's a lot of takeaways from a – from a Las Vegas perspective, I think Derek Carr could be that that quarterback that's always drafted at the end of the quarterback twos that ends up being a low-end quarterback one. He certainly has looked that way for the first two weeks. I didn't mention Brian Edwards' name. He was three for 40, which is like, okay, that's fine. He caught all three of his targets. He also had a touchdown called back on a penalty. So that's two straight weeks where he's involved in the red zone. His quarterback's looking at him. And uh, looking at him in the end zone. So something to look forward to. Keep an eye on Brian Edwards. That breakout could still be happening. From the Steelers' perspective, Ben Roethlisberger looks like old Ben Roethlisberger. 295 and a touchdown through a pick. He's not doing anything special anymore. Najee Harris is. That stiff arm was sweet. Four catches, 43 yards and a touchdown. Just 10 carries. They were playing from behind for most of the second half. If there's any takeaway for the Steelers, Ryan... 
Deontay Johnson got hurt on the last play of the game when they were down by nine points. That's trash. Nine catches, 105 yards on 12 targets. He led the way. But that injury, that that sucks. Yeah, did not look great. Uh, knee injury, as you said, on, on what would become the final play of the game. Had to be helped off the field. And, you know, you, you just hate to see it, obviously, in, in whatever, in what was a meaningless play. Um, if he If he does miss time, maybe that's what, you know, Claypool or, or Juju need for uh, some actual consistent production. Uh, we talked about earlier in the show how the Bengals trio were producing. It doesn't feel the same way with, with these three Steelers wide receivers that we can trust them. It's it's almost a, more of a pick em game each week, uh, which I haven't been successful with through the first couple weeks. <laughs> it's ridiculous that that wasn't James Washington running across the middle right there making that catch because they didn't need Deontay Johnson doing that. Um, one thing I do need in my life is Monkey Knife Fight, guys, and they are sponsoring the DLF Dynasty podcast. Monkey Knife Fight is daily fantasy sports for the rest of us. Even if you've played those other DFS sites in the past, your experience with Monkey Knife Fight is going to feel completely different. No more competing against professional players or working through time-consuming salary caps. With Monkey Knife Fight, you choose from unique, easy-to-play games, including the popular more or less contests where you can bet on your favorite NFL player and if they are going to have more or less yards than predicted. You can also play all the other major sports as well as golf, UFC, NASCAR, and more. Sign up for a new account with Monkey Knife Fight with a first-time deposit and receive a full year of DLF Premium for free. In addition, Monkey Knife Fight will match the deposit total up to $100 with the promo code DLF. That's it. That's all you have to do. Your DLF subscription will be set up within 36 hours and you'll have access to everything DLF has to offer. So go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com, click the image for Monkey Knife Fight, and follow the instructions to get started today. Let's talk about let's talk about the Vikings, who did such a Viking thing. They missed the field goal at the end. <laughs> Cardinals beat them 34 to 33. I don't mean to laugh at the Vikings, Matt. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Uh, man, it's just... I, I was watching him line up, and I'm like, I think he's going to miss this, and he just pushed it to the right. He didn't miss it by far, so I guess that's something. Uh, the real story of the game for the Vikings was Kirk Cousins. He looked good, 244, three touchdowns, didn't make any mistakes. Delvin Cook needs to find the end zone to put the cherry on the top of these games. 22 carries, 131 yards, that's great. Just two catches for 17, but if he finds pay dirt, he's playing like the number two pick in fantasy drafts, and maybe is that that you know, high-end RB1 that we want him to stay going into next season. It's going to come with Delvin Cook. We're just not sure when. The Cardinals, Matt, Kyler Murray is, he might be the quarterback one right now. 400 yards, three touchdowns, through the two picks, but 31 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown make him elite. Speaking of elite, Matt, Rondale Moore, 7-114 and a score on eight targets. Looked good. Man, this is what we were waiting for with Rondale Moore. Like the 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 combination of Kyler Murray able to scramble around, uh, evade tacklers, evade rushers, and then be able to find Rondale Moore, who is you know weaving through the defense, following his quarterback, looking for that comeback, is like that just doesn't seem fair. <laughs> the combination of those two, and he led the team in targets today. Had that long touchdown. Uh, it wasn't even just a short uh, a short pass. You know, it was twenty thirty yards downfield. He he found the open spot while Murray evaded the rush and and got 
got it and, and took it the rest of the way in. It wasn't even one of his patented, like, uh, you know, catch the ball short and, and then run for a long time and bounce off tacklers. It was just a, a straight-up good play by both of them. Uh, and if he's going to add that to his repertoire, uh, this this is like the PPR cheat code. You know, he, he's going to lead the team in targets in, in situations like this. He's going to be a, a, a target that's easier for, easy for uh, Murray to find in the short areas of the field. And now if he's going to add this part to the game, like it, it feels like this is the, the the wide receiver everybody should have taken at the end of their first round rookie drafts uh, at this point. Um, so, yeah, uh, I do, did want to mention real quick on the Minnesota side, uh, Adam Thielen, 14 touchdowns last year, and it just felt like regression is coming, right? There's no way he's going to catch 14 touchdowns again, but he caught two in week one. He caught another one today. So uh, he seems to be the guy in that area of the field. And then uh, I guess we should mention K.J. Osborne again because nobody was talking to him about him at all. Uh, and now he's he's leading the, not leading the team in targets this week, uh, but you know getting a significant target share, leading the team in, in uh, uh, yardage this week as well. Yeah, 5 for 91 for Osborne. Scored the long touchdown in the first quarter on six targets. Justin Jefferson... Not, not that I was annoyed or anything, but had a couple kind of disappointing plays. He he had a drop on a long ball in the fourth quarter. Also looked at like he gave up on a route before uh, Cousins delivered the ball to him. So that looked like an overthrow, but I think Jeff, Justin Jefferson took, off, took his uh, foot off the gas on that one. In Arizona, it feels like all these guys are useful. Christian Kirk was three for 65 on four targets. That doesn't sound like much. He was wide open on a seam route, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Kyler Murray got pressure and couldn't get him the ball. He was open multiple times. Hopkins, just four catches, but found Pater, 54 yards. A.J. Green even found the end zone. And Max Williams, what the hell? Seven catches for 94 yards. One of them was on a tip ball, ended up going for like 30 yards. So he catches all seven of his targets. I don't know. There's going to be people picking him up on the waiver wire. Not to play, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> how about the Falcons? They, they really got hammered by the uh, Buccaneers guys 48 to 25 Matt Ryan made a bunch of mistakes late in the game but threw for 300 and two scores even so he didn't look good in week one he didn't look very comfortable in week two either luckily Ridley finds the end zone he goes seven for 63 and that's good that's pretty good I guess Kyle Pitts was good five for 73 Mike Davis we talked about him as a potential bust he looks like a bust Ryan does not look good no no he he's not good he he was bailed out in in this game with uh his work in the receiving game if you're in a p check downs yeah if you're in a yeah. in a ppr league he caught seven balls uh that alone is, is going to get you a, a respectable score and uh he he ends up with uh 50 or 60 yards total but uh Cordell patterson simply looked better more explosive uh, he was the guy making plays. He scores twice, once on the ground, once uh, as a receiver. And this, this is the team that's going to be behind in, in virtually every game this year. They're, they are not good. Uh, their defense is, is worse than their offense. And I think I would rather have Patterson than Mike Davis at this point, which feels crazy to say. And with that poor defense, they're going to be throwing, but – that offensive line is so poor that they, they can't give Ryan enough time to get the ball down the field. Ridley looked back at Ryan multiple times in the game like, what the what kind of throw was that? I'm wide open on a 10-yard out route, and you sail it to the sideline. So that's frustrating for sure as a Kelvin Ridley apologist. Tom Brady, 276 and five touchdowns, got the ball to everybody that matters except Antonio Brown, who goes one for 17. Two touchdowns for Evans, a touchdown for Chris Godwin. And then there's Gronkowski, who catches two more, both in the first half, four for 39 through the air. And 
he he looks like a mismatch on the field. You can't dedicate a safety to to guarding Rob Gonkowski because they have so many weapons on the outside that those guys have to stay deep to keep Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown out of the end zone. There's a chance that Gronk not only ends up as a tight end one this season, guys, but he could end up a tie end tight end one based only on touchdown upside. We're, we're probably looking at double digit touchdowns, maybe even 14. That that doesn't sound like, oh yeah, you're, you're over-exaggerating, but it's within the realm. He could even end up as a top three tight end, guys. What are you paying for Rob Gronkowski on a contender if you're if you're streaming tight ends right now? Uh, I think it's a great question and, a, and a, something that contending teams have to be considering uh, because if you look at you look at the tight end uh, landscape right now and those low end tight end ones based on our rankings based on ADP we're talking about Evan Ingram hasn't been on the field yet Irv Smith he's out for the year Mike Gusecki has struggled through two weeks Cole Komet has struggled through two weeks um, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry are canceling each other out Adam Troutman He's part of a committee. Pat Fryermuth, part of a committee. These are all guys that are from, let's say, tight end 10. You are painting an ugly picture there, Ryan. The picture I'm painting is that Rob Gronkowski might be a dynasty tight end one. Uh, right. Even if that means he's giving you 15 more games and he retires at the end of the season, if you're a contender, that's worth more than Johnny Smith or, or worth more than uh Adam Troutman or or somebody like you know guys like that that are currently ranked ahead of him and um were valued ahead of him entering the season uh, the the trade you know the the trade question that you proposed is is an interesting one because you have to think about you know who else could you get if you're talking about a a second rounder you know a a, a bad team has Gronk and you're offering a second rounder Maybe you could get Logan Thomas with that same pick. So those are the types of names you have to consider, I think. Yeah, I, I, I doubt, at least in the leagues that we play in, it's going to be hard to get a guy like Logan Thomas for a second. Uh, I suppose that is happening somewhere. I'm happy to give up a second on a true contender. If you're being honest with your roster, Matt, I'd love to know what you think. If, you, if you're a true contender, are you willing to give up that second round pick for Gronk? I, I am. I just not sure if that's available. I mean, are there that many teams out there that are 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 not competing that still have Gronk on their roster? If there are, then absolutely, I would go out and pursue that. It just seems like a, a difficult situation. I don't think these on any like not competing teams in any of the leagues that I am, but I'm certainly going to go check. Uh, I'm not going to pay a first just because, like Ryan said, it, it may be just a one year thing, maybe two years. Maybe he plays as long as Brady does, and we ha- this is what we have out of this this offense if they can keep everybody together for for yet another year. Uh, but I think a first is is too much at this point. Um, to go back over to Atlanta real quick. Uh, I just I don't know if you guys followed uh, Ken Kelly at all or read his Dynasty Aftermath, which you should be reading because it's one of the best weekend wrap ups. But uh, he's threatened to fire me three times in the past past week um, <laughs> over Kyle Pitts. <laughs> yeah, but I, I just want to say, Ken, him to make sure we should have you on the show. <laughs> I'm glad you did that. But I just wanted to point out, Ken, that that through two weeks, despite no touchdowns yet, and you know, I guess if you want to call it a poor week one, he's the tight end eight right now, oh, so he's still on. a tight end one. So I think I, I so think I should what? be able to keep my job at least based on. So that. what? Come on. <laughs> well, if that's the case, then you should pay way more for Gronk because he's the tight end one. Yeah. It's true. It's true. He's the tight end one overall. And you know, instead of making a a big trade for Pitts, I probably should have just bought Gronk for a second. Yeah, Gronk is 
is a guy I, I, I want to go get. I'm, I'm offering, like, I'm starting with a second plus one of those young players that sure. hasn't done anything. Uh, a Denzel Mims type guy. Something that maybe somebody says, well, at least I'm getting something on top of the second. That's the kind of, league, uh, the kind of trade I'm looking for. Uh, let's jump over to the Dallas and LA game. Um, Dallas ends up kicking a late field goal to win twenty to seventeen. Dak Prescott didn't didn't do anything really exciting in this one. Two thirty seven threw an interception, didn't find the end zone through the air. Zeke looked better, sixteen for seventy one and a score, two catches for twenty six. But it was Tony Pollard that got on the field even more. Thirteen carries, one hundred nine yards, and a rushing touchdown, plus caught three balls. So. The, the usage is intriguing. There were reports out of Dallas this week that said that coaching staff wants to work in Tony Pollard. They called it a long season and said, we have to get, we got to keep Zeke healthy to the end of the year because we feel like we're a contender. That all makes sense. Zeke still got his. So as, as a Zeke owner, yeah, you have to be fine with what happened. You just wish he would have got a couple more touches, uh, you know, like those Tony Pollard touches where it felt like, he had a wide open field to run through. Zeke had to work for all his. It really felt like maybe defenses aren't keying on Pollard being a running back in the middle of the field just yet. CeeDee Lamb caught eight. Amari Cooper only caught three and got banged up. So Dallas is Dallas. Everybody really stayed status quo, except for maybe Tony Pollard, who steps up a little bit. In L.A., though, Ryan, Mike Williams, for the second straight week, impressed. Seven catches for 91 yards and a touchdown on 10 targets. Dude, he's going to get hurt. He, he keeps falling hard on his head. <laughs> he's not going to make it through 17 <laughs> games doing this. He's probably going to get hurt. He gets hurt every year. But, uh, I mean, the, he also pops with these big games every year as well, once or twice. Uh, the difference is the way he's being used in, in this, in this new offense. And it's a, it's a good thing for him. It's a good thing for you. If you have him on your dynasty team, because he's now gone from that fringe, that fringe uh, guy to a, a weekly starter. You put him in your lineup, no matter what. Yes. One of those weeks he's going to get hurt and, and frustrate you. But uh, as long as he's on the field, he's going to produce uh, he, he out-targeted Keenan Allen again today in, in this week two game. I'm, I'm kind of all in on Mike Williams right now. Yeah, I like to hear that because I was a big Mike Williams fan coming out. I, I like to see the the step forward, I guess, that he's taken. He also feels like a bigger presence on that offense. Like, like maybe this coaching staff appreciates him a little bit more than the past coaching staff did. Uh, speaking of which, Austin Eckler, he was a bigger presence, Matt, in week two than he was in week one, especially in the passing game. He got he caught nine balls for 61 yards. Yeah, last week, zero targets, fantasy community panicking, and this week back to his normal nine, 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 ten targets a game, six, seven, eight, nine catches today. So I think we're 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 good to go there. Uh, didn't get a touchdown today like he did last week, but it wasn't really that kind of game. It was this was a this was kind of a passing matchup uh, for the. Uh, for the Chargers, so it makes it kind of makes sense, and and you don't want him to be carrying the ball too much between the tackles anyway. So it was good to see him get back to uh, what we know and we love Austin Eckler for. Yeah, speaking of running backs, getting back to what we know and we love, Derrick Henry. We saved the best for last. Thirty-five <laughs> carries, one hundred and eighty-two yards, and three touchdowns. And get this, caught all six of his targets for fifty-five yards. Probably a top ten scoring game in your league's history for a single player. He was incredible. The Titans. 
end up winning in overtime 33 to 30 in Seattle. Tannehill didn't throw a touchdown pass. So Julio, while he went six for 128, if that touchdown counts, we're, we're all clapping. We're all excited about Julio, his, his big breakout with the Titans. It didn't. A.J. Brown caught, he only caught three balls. He dropped that many in the game. He was a massive disappointment. But I don't know how you can talk about this game at all, Ryan, without talking about Derrick Henry, because despite dynasty managers consistently thinking, oh, he's got to be over the hill at some point, and how many years can you have 300-plus touches and, and take that kind of beating, he, he looked as good as ever on Sunday. Yeah, he did. And, and it's, it's all about the receiving uh, work that he got, which feels a little crazy in a game where he carried it 35 times for 182. He scored three times on the ground. That's kind of the Derrick Henry that we already expected. But if he's adding, mm-hmm. if he's adding the, the six catches for 55 yards, both of those are new career highs. He, he had, uh, had never had more than four catches in a game. Uh, and had never even had more than five targets in a game. So if that's not a fluke, uh, if that's part of the game plan moving forward, and, and honestly with the way the, the passing offense has, has struggled through the first couple games, I mean, Tannehill has been bad. A.J. Brown has been bad. Julio Jones uh, struggled in week one, was a little better in week two, but um, – if if getting the ball to Henry and just letting him run over people uh, is part of the plan, then then yeah, it's it's going to be another huge year for him from a from a dynasty and fantasy standpoint. Yeah, it certainly looked that way. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before, but Tyler Lockett had a big game once again, eight catches on eleven targets for one seventy eight and a touchdown. That follows up his four for a hundred and two scores in week one. So he's looking like a like a wide receiver one once again. This is what happened. It feels like every year. He goes on these stretches and then disappoints. Hopefully this isn't the year because, man, he can get open down the field. Usually it's at the cost of DK Metcalf. I guess that was the case in week two. Once again, DK Metcalf, uh, six catches for 53 yards in the game and uh, didn't find the end zone once again, despite getting 11 targets. So that's a little bit of a disappointment. Russ, though, 343 and two. It was, there were a lot of negatives that we talked about, as we mentioned in the lead, guys. Uh, but there were some positives, including Henry. And, and uh, there, you know, the, well, while we'll be disappointed with some of the finishes and certainly upset or frustrated with the injuries, we should all just be happy that football's back, right? <laughs> after the afternoon games, yeah. After the, after the morning games, it was questionable. <laughs> that, that's oh, how I spent my game, morning. Every, you match, know? <laughs> every fantasy matchup I looked at, I was disappointed. So I stopped looking. And then everybody started scoring points. So it got a little bit better. The, the injuries, though, that, I think that's the story from week two. It has to be. There were there were just so many, um, so many quarterbacks, which obviously is always going to be the story if there's an injury to the to the quarterback position. Um, fortunately, it looks like most of those are going to be minor. Maybe that means a week or two. But um, of the dozen plus injuries that we saw, I, I'm not sure any of them were season enders. I, I'm, you know, we may learn that that's not the case. Unfortunately, but. Yeah, just just so many uh, making an impact on the NFL and on fantasy leagues. 
Yeah, so for all the, the injuries and the disappointments, there were the Cooper Cups and the Rondale Moores and the, and the positive things that came out of the game games in Week 2 as well. So that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan. That's Ryan over there is Matt. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you in Week 3.